What is good, guys? It is your Boston Brit, and we're back with another episode of The Garden Party. Again, joined by Josh. Josh, you all good? I'm very well. Very well. This week, I mean, to be honest, it could only be summed up, you know, in the scenario where you send a nude pic to a girl. You know, you've taken you've taken the bold step of taking one. You've put your you put your boy in the best light. You've got the best angle, and you expect so much. You send it, and the only response you get is an awe. Oh, that looks cute. Anything that's that, I mean, you proceed to cry, and then you never wish you were born. Now, how would you sum it up? Uh, well, first, I want to comment on that. Obviously, I didn't expect to learn so much about you today. I feel like <laughs> you've come in all guns blazing. And now the UK or the worldwide Celtics community knows a lot about your uh, sexting uh, <laughs> escapades. But anyway, uh, I think that's that works fairly well as an analogy, nonetheless. Um, it's certainly less of a garden party this week and more of a garden intervention. 100%. Now, we need to do the decoration of the party so josh do you want to do the decoration yeah and it's you know it's not going to be as colorful as last week we we had some vibrant decorations up last week you know um during a less turbulent week um boston Celtics currently sitting at 500 um 13 and 13 after like i said the most kind of tumultuous week of the year so far um it's a lot of doubt is creeping into Celtics fans around the world mm. and uh, it's testing times. And a lot of people are ready to hit the panic button. Uh, but yeah, four games and now sitting at 13-13. We started with uh, Utah. Are you going to hit that one? Yeah, man. So Celtics, Jazz, Celtics 108, Jazz 122. Now, that was on Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, if you're in the UK, Jalen led with 33 points. Jaina led with eight rebounds as well. And then Kemba led with seven assists. Now, that seven assists does not represent Kemba's game there. He was terrible. Out of his 16 shots, he missed 13. And he scored seven points. That's pretty, that is shocking for an NBA All-Star caliber player. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously he's come back, playing himself into full fitness, it still seems. But the idea with Kemba that I'm starting to get worried about is that uh, Boston obviously had some years where they weren't quite contenders, but they were really fun to watch where they were having to cater a team around a really small guard uh, who can't defend all that brilliantly. Mm. And, you know, it was really, really fun to watch, but frankly, the team had to adapt and the schemes had to change to be able to find scoring opportunities for him. Isaiah Thomas, of course, I'm talking about. And he lived and breathed buckets at that point. But unfortunately now with a team that you're trying to build with kind of multifaceted players and he's looking to be the third guy in the offense, he needs to start finding ways to find opportunities for himself, which I think is the biggest challenge here because he is missing shots under pressure. He is taking some very difficult shots and missing a lot of them. And it's really difficult to watch. Um, And like you said, Utah was definitely a key case uh, of a difficult Kemba night. Yeah. Do do you think, you know, with Kemba last season, he was number two. He was number two in that Celtics team. Jalen Brown wasn't number two at that point. I don't think anyway. I don't know what you think, but Jalen Brown stepped up. And obviously he stepped in, like you said, you know, Kemba is now that third guy. I don't really know what's going on with Kemba at the moment. He's so hot and cold. It's ridiculous. Some people are saying he's washed up. 
I don't believe he's washed up. I just, I just don't believe he's got any confidence right now. Well, he's had an entire career going all the way back to college in UConn where the system has served him. Um, and it's been centred around him being able to find the bucket. Uh, this is the first time he's been in a situation, minus kind of Team USA performances, where um, it hasn't been a case of everything is centred around finding space for Kemba to find buckets. And it seems that it's becoming, obviously, it could still improve because he is, you know, his health can't be there. He's just come out from multiple months off the court. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's worrying. It's really worrying. And... Um, you're right in saying that he was the second option last year, uh, but I don't. I'm not entirely sure at any point he was the best at doing anything last year, because when the Celtics were fully fit, Hayward was the best playmaker, mm-hmm. and Jalen was the best scorer, and Kemba sure as hell wasn't the best defender. Yeah. Uh, so, for a perennial All Star, it seems like it's going to be a difficult fit for a while, um, and whether they can overcome that is one of the biggest challenges for this roster. And it goes to show, you mentioned Gordon Hayward there, it goes to show how much we do actually miss Gordon's playmaking ability. It seems as though like there was no choice of keeping him anyway. He wanted to go. Mm, he wasn't, you know, it wasn't going to work with all three of those guys on the wing in terms yeah. of roles. But um, yeah, uh, the the issue obviously was always that you couldn't depend on having Hayward for an extended period of time. So no. you were paying a guy for half of the games of this, every season. Um, but he was one hell of a player that when fully fit, they really miss his playmaking because he was he was definitely one of the best playmakers on ball. Um, I suppose what what so one positive out of this game that I took anyway, which was uh, very hard to take, but Jalen Brown's ability, you know, driving ability is massively improved. Uh, <laughs> considering from last year, you know, he was taking some wild shots, but he was still playing very well. Now at the moment, you know, his driving ability is massively improved. You know, his his ability to read the defender and his quick first step as well is mm. just giving him multiple opportunities to drive into the basket. And no matter what matchup he's got, he seems to be winning quite a lot of them. Now, I love that. I love that Jalen's, you know, t- trying to take it upon himself um, to kind of lead the team in, in times where, you know, you can't always rely on Tatum all the time. So yeah. I do love how he stepped up in that sense. All right, Josh, so... Let's leave this Utah Jazz game alone because I know the next game, we've got a little bit of positivity to talk about, that little grain of positivity that we've got this week. So talk to me about the Celtics and the Raptors. Well, there were definite reasons for positivity on this one. The Celtics beat the Raptors 120 to 106 on Thursday night. And there were plenty of reasons for positivity in this game. The ball movement reached kind of a new level um, against Toronto. Brown and Tatum had to carry less of the load. And there was kind of a real sense of harmony. They were facilitating excellently. They both logged 10 and 9 assists, respectively. Mm. A real kind of cohesive effort that was obviously buoyed by a super contribution from the second unit. And probably some of the guys where, if you were going to say at the start of the season, who are you going to get the scoring punch off? from the bench. It certainly wouldn't have been a combination of 44 points from Pritchard and Ojale, but here we were in Toronto. That's what they were able to do. They offered help from that second unit and that's what Boston have been dying for so far this year. And that was also a positive night for Kemba uh, with 21 of five. Kind of, he started to kind of get into his groove at some point throughout the game and it felt like the team was really getting there. Nathan, is this the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde version of Boston? 
I, to be fair, you love to see for, for the guys like Semi and especially Semi because you know obviously we we've spoken to him a lot and he is possibly the nicest guy in basketball. His performances, you don't see what goes on behind the door, behind closed doors, do you really? And no. the amount of effort and you know Semi is always the first in the gym. Uh, I've spoken to obviously when Gordon mentioned it, like Semi's always there before him and he gets there early. And it just goes to show how much of a good player Semi can be absolutely unloaded on that's probably the worst thing I could have said there to be honest with you but especially he, with I, his namesake so it's not yeah oh no yeah. but anyway he, he, him and him and Peyton I mean that night you love to see it you do love to see it especially because we've got obviously Jason and Jalen like you said last week we're used to them we can't get used to them providing everything for us mm-hmm. but we are used to them we're used to them dropping 26 30 a night aren't we to be honest but then when you do see the the little guys come up trumps with, you know, Semi and Peyton both, you know, and with the franchise record as well for most threes made in the game by a duo, six each. Like that's that's mad, especially for the guys coming off the bench. So it is wild. Okay, so let's move on to possibly one of the worst games, you know, I've seen the Celtics play this season other than that New York Nick, New New York Knicks game and the Wizards game, which... Josh, you're going to break down in a minute anyway. But Celtics 102, Pistons 108. Tatum led with 33 points. Tatum also led with 11 rebounds. And then Tatum led with seven assists. So basically Tatum carried us this game, as he tends to do. Jalen obviously had a good game as well, 27 points and six rebounds. Uh, so quite consistent. But the one item we do need to talk about is Sadiq Bay. Now, the guy killed us. I mean, imagine shooting a seven out of seven three-pointers, right? That's 100%. We got schooled by a rookie. Absolute mauling. And mm. the fact that we could have we could have drafted Sadiq, we could have also drafted Tyrese Maxey, we could have drafted Desmond Bain like, instead of Naismith. It's mental. It's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, what, what do you think of that game? How could you sum up that game? Because, yeah, I mean, it was, it, was, it was horrific, to be honest. <laughs> It was really not a fun watch. Um, they got kind of outworked and outplayed. Um, and like you said, though, you can't really account for a performance like that from a rookie from the wing. I mean, that was an unbelievable performance from Sadiq Bey. And mm. sure, they wouldn't have been game planning for Sadiq Bey, but he exceeded expectations in that game and killed us. And uh, the character and the effort wasn't there to make any kind of a spirited go at it at all at any point in that game. Mm. It was a difficult watch. You think Naismith's a bust? I mean, I'm not convinced yet. I don't think he's played enough. Of, he hasn't given me enough minutes for me to make a solid, you know, assumption on him because so many Celtics fans think he is a bust. And I mean, yeah. in college, he was a great player in college. Like you need to give this, the level, the level between college and the NBA is just ridiculous. Like you can't, not everyone takes to it. Like, you know, for example, Peyton has, um, which is, you know, the complete underdog, if I'm honest. Um I do well, think, yeah, I, I, I just think that. I can't, I can't call him a bust yet. I just can't. No, of course not. He's been in the NBA for a matter of months and some, some of the best players in the world took over a year, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to find their fit and to find their role in the association. Anyone who is calling Naismith a bust at this point needs to check themselves because it's absolutely nonsense. Um, I, they, need to play, they, I need to play that check yourself before you wreck yourself song. Yeah. So we're just going to have to dub that over. Wait, one second. Here we go. You better check yourself or you wreck yourself because I'm bad for your health. I come real stealth, dropping bombs on your moms. Fuck call arms. And we're back in the building. And we're back in the building. So 
with Naismith, it's a case of, yeah, the Celtics probably did draft for fit over ability with him. They needed wing shooting. They really bought into that. But that could definitely still happen. And he hasn't really had the looks or the minutes so far. He hasn't had the run from Brad Stevens. So, no, um, to answer your question, no, Naismith absolutely isn't a bust. But, um, yeah, uh, watching Sadiq Bey in that, it obviously isn't in all time difficult things to watch in that respect because we watched a lot of Yanis performances against the Celtics <laughs> who took Kelly Olynyk over him. So, you know, you learn to live with this kind of pain, but I think give Aaron Naismith a couple of months. Yeah. A couple I, of months more so. at minimum. <laughs> like I said, coming into the league, it's some people take to it like a duck does the water. Some, some take a little bit longer, don't they? So mm. It's, it's just one of those things. Now, the one thing that I do want to mention about this game as well is, you know, we have so much, we have so much lack of depth on that bench. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, we had Grant play 24 minutes and he got one point. Mm-hmm. And that game, Pritch played 28 minutes and got two points. Like that's, that's horrific, you know, and I will say it and I'll say it now. Bring back Isaiah Thomas. I will say it. I don't know what you think, but I'd love just to have Isaiah Thomas on the bench. He will get you buckets and he's got experience, which we don't have. I think the issue is, you know, as we're trying to integrate Kemba for the exact reasons I spoke about earlier on, then you'd have to have a second unit that runs with kind of a specialist small scorer that you need to cater to the team around. Um, but he would definitely obviously do better than what's happening at the moment, which is basically a complete lack of bench consistency. Um, how that combination was able to offer 44 points uh, and then the next night come out and offer next to nothing is partly because of the run and the lineups that Brad's offering them, you know, but it's not. Yeah, it was difficult to watch. And that was, you know, it signified a real downturn for the Celtics team this week because it was kind of, um, you know, nothing, nothing but bad things to come. It was, it was, it was not, it was not a fun week to be honest. To be Look, so, sorry to interrupt, but the, the, the other thing that we didn't know, note about Detroit too much is that you can't overemphasize how important it is that they didn't have Kemba or Marcus. Of course, they haven't had Marcus all week. Mm-hmm. Marcus has cemented himself this week in his absence alone as the team's leader, probably the best playmaker on the team at this point, you know, at controlling the pace and creating opportunities for others and the spearhead for the defence. So yeah. in his absence alone, he's proven his value more than he ever has when he's been on the court. Yeah, exactly. I, we are 100% missing Marcus's defensive prowess, 100%. It's just got a unique game. This has got a unique game. Um, hopefully we can get Mark. I don't know when Marcus is back, actually. Is it a couple of weeks' time? Mm, yeah. um, so it can't come soon enough, to be honest. Yeah. But let's move on. Let's move on to possibly, you know, the, this Pistons game was horrific. But let's move on to yesterday's wild ride, which I'm not going to lie to you. On my notes here, I've literally got Celtics 91, Wizards 104, right? And then underneath, I've just got shit, absolutely shit, pointless discussing, would rather drink vodka revs men's toilet water than discuss this game. So I'm going to shoot this one over to you, Josh. Okay, so just safe to say that you didn't enjoy it. Um, well, 
like I said, the smart in the Detroit game, the smart and Kemba omission was, you know, the absence was not an excuse, but it was an understandable reason for the lack of offensive fluidity, etc. Uh, for this game, you just mentioned the score. Um, let's just go down with the the leaders in scoring. Tatum led the the category of rebounding with eight, which you know says a lot. And 25 points for Jalen, 25 for Kemba. So fine, they were able to log some points. Um, but there were way more negatives than there was positives in this game, in this loss to the Washington Wizards. Uh, the highlight of the game itself was garbage time. And I think that tells you everything that you need to know about the game. It was toothless, to be honest. Um, I thought that it was completely disjointed on the offensive. And as I alluded to, no fluidity. There were forced shot shot attempts, uh, an awful shooting night for Tatum. But mm. most worryingly for me, there were genuine signs of kind of disharmony um, that I had kind of been writing off in my head uh, in recent weeks because there weren't these kind of sulky gestures and raised arms when people don't get the ball or when a shot is missed. And I started to see that last night, people trotting back on transition D. Yeah. Um, and that was creating easy opportunities for Washington and allowing them to just completely control the pace of the game. The Washington Wizards, the team that people have been begging to let Beal go, free Beal, as though it's some kind of you know, painful prison for him to be part of because it is a dumpster fire in Washington this year. And yet they controlled that game. Um, you, can, you can raise a lot of points about kind of roster assembly, and I think Ainge is still a move away from this roster being set. But what is absolutely clear, like I said, is that without Smart, they just lack leadership, heart, to be honest. And it's difficult to watch them be, be kind of outworked by a subpar Wizards team. And that's what happened last night. And there was a real gutless show of laziness and disinterest. And I think that what is even more worrying is that you saw them seem fairly dejected, apathetic and dejected after the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't, I, to be honest, I, so I'll watch a Celtics game, no matter what, usually, you know, whether we're losing or whether we're winning, I'll, al- I'll always watch. I think other than the Knicks game this season, I turned the game off for the fourth quarter. I couldn't mm. watch it. It was, it was, it was shit. It was terrible. Mm. I, was, I, I didn't really get angry at basketball. Um, or the Celtics, but they just they just looked, like you said, so disinterested and they just weren't bothered. And Jason Tatum, he's going to have those off nights. Like those, Jalen and Jason are going to have those off nights like any other, you know, all-star caliber NBA player. Like, that's just going to happen. And that's when you need your bench players to step up. That's when you need your third option to step up. And we just didn't have that. Like, like you said, coming back on defense, it's like they were it was so lethargic. It was, I just, I could not in my head think, you know, what, what is going on? What is happening? Where you can look at the stark contrast from last year. And even when we had Enes Kanter, you know, Vincent Borey, like the chemistry and the team chemistry, everyone was like joking around, laughing on the bench, et cetera. Like I haven't seen, I, I've seen that this year, but in recent games, you know, I've, I've not seen that. And I think, you know, when the times get tough, because every team, like you said, like Kemba mentioned in his press conference, you know, every team goes through a bit of adversity for our season. But it's how you answer it and how you kind of 
come together as a unit and it doesn't seem like they're doing that very well and it just goes to show how much we are we are missing marcus mm. and marcus is not marcus is sick man like well not this year obviously he's he's starting five but you know even well, last year it's it's just it's crazy it's crazy how shit we were no and that shouldn't fall on marcus smart uh, mm. you know t- to light a fire under a professional basketball team shouldn't be the responsibility of a player and yeah. bear in mind, you know, not the franchise guy, as you said. Mm. And I think that's what's making some people shed some light on Brad Stevens and question kind of why the leadership isn't coming from him. I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not in that position where I'm ready to kind of doubt the fit of Brad Stevens as the Boston Celtics head coach. But I am willing to at least discuss why, you know, why isn't it, a case of kind of the t- if you look at back at Tatum's interview with JJ Reddick, uh, that some people have mentioned yeah. uh, in recent months, where he mentions that Coach K it differs from Brad Stevens in that he's more of a leader. And he, what he describes about Coach K in that conversation are the exact characteristics you want from a coach and a leader. And then he goes, and Brad is more of an X's and O's guy. I think that's what some people have an issue with Brad Stevens about is that you're not going to get that hairdryer treatment at halftime if these guys are walking back on defense. I mean, none of us are ever in the locker room. We don't know. Mm. But anything that we've seen from Brad Stevens at this point suggests that you're going to get 10 minutes of looking at the whiteboard and some polite encouragement. And I think when you see nights like that, it makes you really kind of look at teams like the Utah Jazz led by Quinn Snyder and you think, Jesus, what a fantastic personality they have at the helm, you know. Um, he is clearly a very competent coach and he's also ready to light a fire under his team if they need to. Yeah, like I think that's yeah, that, that's one thing which has come out, you know, that I've seen all over Twitter and all over Instagram that um, coaches, some coaches don't call out their players when they're playing, when they're playing shit. Now, I can, you know, Brad doesn't do that. I've not seen Brad slam a player or slate a player. I don't think I've ever seen that. I don't know whether you have. I, I've never read anything, and I've never seen an interview where he's been he's been poor. I think the most the most energy I've seen out of an interview recently was Jalen when Jalen when they were discussing the, the Jazz game, and uh, the reporter mentioned, you know, how does it feel that teams are trying to embarrass you and beat on you? Should you know you should take that personally. And Jalen turned around and said, yeah, we should fucking take it personally. You know, that, that's the kind of fire and kind of grit that we need right now. Um, yeah. And and once again, I'm not saying that there's a better fit out there for the Boston Celtics than Brad Stevens. But mm-hmm. like many Boston Celtics fans, I believe that, you know, we just wish sometimes we'd see a little bit more energy and emotion from him. Because, frankly, they, look like, they look like they need it. Um, if you think about the comments you were mentioning about Jalen, right? So earlier this week, he had that period of actual, you know, he was passionately outspoken about something, you know, we Mm. need to fucking, you know, whatever he said, he, you know, he was clearly wound up about it. If you think about the thought process when people have arguments or they get angry in other situations in life, Mm. a couple of days later, they are able to internalize that. If the frustration continues what you get is a kind of dejected tone where it looks like there's no answers 
And he, frankly, yesterday, Jalen seemed like he wanted to avoid uh, pointing fingers. And that's an issue because it looked because he took about seven to 10 seconds to answer the question yesterday. And he said, no comment. And you have to think, okay, so without psychoanalyzing the guy, what, why can't he comment? And what issues are there where he has to sit there for 10 seconds before he says no comment? He was yeah. thinking about saying something and it didn't come out. And it was the right thing to do, clearly, because you don't want to create more turmoil. Mm. But it's just really a difficult time. And I can see why some people are ready to hit the panic button. Yeah, but I, I think extreme with it. I think with Boston as well, like when you come to when you come to this, when you play for the Celtics, like it's such a winning mentality. It's such a winning organization that even, even the fans as well, you could have, you know, you could you, semi Ojale, for example, semi playing incredible, all the praise he gets. And then the next day, just teetering out to what, you know, you would ex- you, what you expect to see from semi anyway, and then getting kind of slammed for it. Now, that that is that is the nature of the game. That is the nature. But I think Boston's another level where the expectation is so high. And if you're not meeting that expectation, you know, prime example, the Kyrie era and that team, that team on paper was a championship winning team. I don't care what anyone else says. That was a championship winning team. And we should have got to the finals and we should have won that year, you know, and we didn't. It was possibly the one of the worst seasons I've watched of Celtics basketball where they just looked uninterested. Everyone didn't really give a shit. And it was, it was, it was shocking. And what I don't want to happen is this set of guys that we've got now uh, to go down that path because they don't need to, they don't need to like we're, yeah, we're not playing great. Yeah. We haven't got any depth on the bench. People have to look at our roster you can't expect Jalen and Jason to carry us every single game. Kemba, hot and cold. I believe Kemba's going to move at the end of the season. I honestly believe the Celtics will move him um, for a couple of other pieces, more depth-based pieces. But it's the end of the season. The trade deadline hasn't passed yet. Do you, do you, I don't think he'll move him now. I don't think he'll move. We might do. He might do. Danny, Danny's doing something. But I think after that Wizards performance, in, in, in Danny's head, that should say, fuck, I need to do something here because this is not... I can't expect Jalen and Jason to just try and score fucking 100 points each a night. Do you know what I mean? I, I can't expect that of them. They need, more, they need more help off the bench. And I'll always go back to it. You know, I'll always go back to the bench. I think our bench was a problem last year as well. That we're just, we're, they're too young and it's too unexperienced. But obviously you gain experience by playing. But I don't know. It's, just, it's, a, frustra- it's a frustrating circle, isn't it? Yeah, we've, we're this frustrated and we haven't even mentioned Jeff Teague, uh, but we don't need to go into that. One thing I do want to highlight is that the positioning of my camera fortunately makes it look like my T-shirt just says basketball ass. Which is, which is really good. So I thought I'd clear up that it's a uh, basketball association, but let's just go with basketball ass, and I might just change my handle now. I've never even noticed that until now. That is that is incredible. That just sums up this fucking week. I just thought I'd lighten the mood after that absolute doom scroll conversation. But to be fair, there are there are positives to take from this week. You know, obviously, Jace, Jace, Jason didn't have a great game against the Wizards, but other than that, he's been consistent. Jalen's been consistent. You know, Marcus. Is on his route back, you know. He is on his route back, so that that that's great news. 
And it was, like I said, it was great to see Semi and Peyton have that game against the Raptors, which it's just nice to see. It's a little bit of positivity. Now, I mean, have you got anything else you want to add to this Wizards game before we jump into the uh, into the party invites and the ban list? No, so I want to know, obviously, who's top of your guest list because it's obviously a different vibe from the first episode where you felt there wasn't a, you know, a certain era of it still being a party. You know, it may not have been the most tremendous week, but as we said, this may be a bit of an intervention. And so if who have you got at the main the top chair of the intervention, who's going through proceedings for you? Well, so oh, my, my party invite or funeral invite of this week, uh, it's going to go to Semi. Now it's going to go to Semi and he, he is going to have a plus one. Now, you, obviously you gave a plus one last week, so I'm going to give a plus one this week. I am going to give it to Peyton solely for that Raptors win. Incredible, incredible shooting, incredible ball movement. Good on uh, transition offense, defense. Like we, we, were, we were good in that game. We were solid. Semi, obviously, with the 24.6 rebounds, shooting 66.7% and recording six out of eight threes. Now, and obviously Peyton, uh, six out of eight threes as well. And, you know, he he played great too. So they are going to be on my, you know, my invite list this week. Bit of a shit time to come to the party, to be honest with you. They're, they're coming to probably, you know, the shittest week uh, where you've yeah. got... And, uh, you know, obviously they're going to be like, they might do that thing where people come to parties and then you see them slowly dip out or they make a really bad excuse to leave because the vibes aren't good. Yeah, it's when you don't provide the fucking ice cream and jelly and the cocktail sausages. Like they've rocked up, not seen the cocktail sausages and they fucked off. That's what they've done. So, I mean, try to make the best out of a bad situation. Unfortunately, Semi and Peyton, you know, you're going to be drinking on a budget this week, lads. and. Yeah, that's mine. That's mine. What about you? Yeah, so my invite to the garden party, top of the list for me, Jalen Brown, just for it's the same kind of argument you had last week for Tatum. The fact that he was just consistent in his scoring, even if it was in a bad week, he had the steadiest scoring week of anybody. Mm. He was kind of minus that one game, he was 25 points plus. Um, and even when he wasn't scoring like that, he was able to lead the team in assists so he was clearly like moving that ball and spearheading that positive ball movement in the Raptors win all this being with the struggles we mentioned previously with tendonitis so Brown remains remains uh, top of the guest list and this week it might just be you know us two Shemi Ojale, Peyton Pritchard and Jalen Brown playing Monopoly or something <laughs> it's turned into the in-betweeners nightclub scene I think yeah uh, just a bit pathetic really but okay let's do the ban list now, obviously, last week we had um, some good reasoning uh, for Serge Ibaka. And for, who did you have last week again? Uh, I would I, I would dispute that it was good reasoning, but I went with uh, De'Aaron Fox just for absolutely <laughs> smoking the Celtics. And you went for Serge Ibaka because he wouldn't back you up in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute wet wipe. But anyway, the ban list this week. Do you want to give me your ban list one first? Yeah, I'm an uninviting all Celtics fans who are calling Danny Ainge to be fired. Now, Thanks. you got to think about, you know, see the bigger picture. Um, I'm always somebody who hates knee-jerk reactions and understands that kind of seasons are long. Mm-hmm. Um, contracts of star players are long and, you know, kind of eras of a certain team 
can be also long. And ultimately, what matters is March, April, May and June. Well, you know, in normal basketball seasons. Uh, but to a degree, I, whilst I understand to a degree that people are concerned at the moment, and I've already aired some of that out to you, like a therapy session. Uh, but that being said, I think of a lot of things are beyond the GM's control. A lot of it is beyond Ainge's control. He's drafted some of the best young players in the league who are going to be consistent all-stars if they stay healthy throughout their career. He acquired Hemba, uh, Kemba, who at the time was the absolute right move off the back of a, of the Kyrie, um, you know, the end of the Kyrie tenure. Mm. Uh, he is a perennial all-star, unbelievable talent. He scored, had so many amazing scoring displays in this league that it was the right move. It was a wise move. He picked up Tice out of obscurity, who has become a legitimate NBA piece out of nowhere. Um, so, sure, you can obviously question some of the other picks uh, deeper in the roster that haven't been able to offer the depth that we need off the bench. But that's the nature of the NBA. You have to approach it from a kind of hit and miss level. And like I tweeted to you the other day, you know, or to someone, is uh, you throw enough at the wall, some of it sticks. He was able to acquire those assets. And we do have Brown and Tatum because of that. Mm. You know, we have, we have all-star point guard who is underperforming. How is that Danny Ainge's fault? Also, could people please, 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 please stop saying with complete certainty that he fucked up the Miles Turner thing? Because that also depended on Gordon Hayward. Like that, that deal was made with Gordon Hayward. To, like he needed to. Be, he was part of that. You know, he left for Charlotte for the to, uh, the player exception, but there was a certain level of cooperation required for that move. And ultimately, Charlotte came in with a big offer and he took it. And that ended up with Celtics having the trade exception. Mm. Turner wasn't, like, Ainge didn't have complete control over acquiring, but everyone is saying it with complete certainty. And all we've saw is a few kind of vague reports about it, suggesting that it was on the cards. But no one ultimately knows how that played out, bar what we've heard from Haywood, which is, you know, I took I, I took the offer from MJ. and secured really the bag, yeah. yeah, secured the bag. So, how on earth that is definitely, you know, people know with certainty that Ainge botched the Turner move. We don't. We just don't know that. Um, so sorry, I went on a bit of a tangent there. I was going to yeah, say, but- I was, I've got my notepad here, right? I'll add that to your file, right? And we'll, uh, we'll revisit this traumatic event <laughs> next week in our, in our session for you, uh, for you Josh. <laughs> okay. Who's banned for you? Who's banned for me? Well, I thought, to be fair, there's quite a few people that I could have banned. I could have banned quite a lot of our own bloody team, to be honest with you. But I've gone with Sadiq Bey. Now, he absolutely schooled us. The guy looks like he still watches Thomas the Tank Engine, for fuck's sake. Like, he, he's so... He's a fucking rookie, and he schooled us all over the fucking court. You know, Kemba looked lost against him. And like every single Jalen was on him as well, he looked lost. It was, just, it was, it was mental. Absolutely yeah. mental. So, Sadiq politely fuck off <laughs> we've got posters of Sadiq Bey around for security yeah most wanted but the problem there is that whilst he looks like he's still watching Thomas Tank engine he's also a tank and he's got an engine so he, he is I think he's a, I think he's going to be a, a great player in the NBA uh, it's just unfortunate that 
we didn't acquire him or we could have acquired so many others, but it is what it is. It is what it is. We can't, we can't dwell on that kind of stuff. But yeah, so Sadiq, unfortunately, you're not invited to this weird ass funeral, which we're and therapy session, which we're hosting this week. So yeah, I mean, guys, that is pretty much the end of the episode. But Josh, have you got any of your, you know, we need to get in the last orders. We need to ring the bell again. And to tell you the truth, Gwen, I'm absolutely twatted. Okay, so thanks, Gwen. Um, Boston have, <laughs> they, you know, they have to play a really strong Denver team at home on Tuesday night. And then Atlanta on a back-to-back, then traveling to Atlanta uh, to return the favour, and then a trip to the uh, Crescent City to pay uh, to play the uh, Pelicans on Sunday. So that's not an easy week ahead of kind of a, you know during a pivotal time in Celtic season where there are questions being asked. There's some tests to come this week, and it's going to be really really difficult. Um, and it will be really interesting to see how they're able to kind of ride that wave. My final word is a reason for optimism. Um, in a time where it seems that most of this conversation has been fairly negative. Um, Let's have a reality check. You know, we have known for a while that the roster that we're going to take into the playoffs, should Boston make it, um, isn't set. We've known that with this trade exception, we were a few moves away from having a set roster that would be heading into the postseason. There are changes to come and there always were changes to come so any people ready to smash the panic button constantly just know that it's premature and it's a long season and there are changes to come the roster will be set and thank you very much Gwen I really enjoyed that quick point I do I think Danny Danny's going to do something before the before the before the deadline comes expect to see a couple of changes I reckon Uh, but anyway Guys, that is it. That is the end of the episode. Very fucking morbid. So we can only apologize. But to be honest, there was nothing really positive to talk about this week other than Semi and Peyton's games and, you know, Jalen being Jalen and Jason playing well and then having a bit of a brain fart in the last game. But like, other than that, I mean, there's not, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard to stay positive sometimes. But like Josh said, you know, you've got to be optimistic. You know, this, this team is young. This team is unexperienced and only it's only going to get better. It's only going to get better unless Danny sinks the ship and sells everyone. But it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Wait, hold on a second. Is this where you put that video of the Celtics players dancing to things will only get better? The, the, you forgot about the main positive just before we sign off, and that's that I find myself a new nickname. So, Basketball ass. So from now on, Josh is going to be called the basketball ass. Could be worse. Could be worse. <laughs> but anyway, guys, hope you enjoyed this episode. It's been your Boston Brit and Josh. Till next week. Hopefully we've got some more positive news to say. Peace. <laughs>